feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Everybody talking about our interview tomorrow. I will have former Governor Andrew Cuomo live with me. A no holds bar, nothing off the table conversation with him. And that will be live uh, tomorrow on 77 WABC Radio. You also have to tune in on WABCRadio.com. Uh, it will be the first time, really, that the former governor will be talking about a variety of things. Uh, nothing is off limits. There's a lot to talk with him about, needless to say. Uh, and I will be asking him a full variety of questions live for one hour. You got to tune in wherever you are around the country, WABCRadio.com. And again, 77 WABC Radio tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern Time to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. And that indeed will be a must-listen-to interview with myself and former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Make sure that you tune in and tell everybody, because this will really be his first time since his resignation, that he is answering sort of a full variety of questions Uh, Nothing, again, off limits. No topics uh, that are taboo. I will be able to talk with him about a variety of things. And you can bet I will be asking a lot. I think you guys know me. I am not shying away from tough questions and would never agree to anything that is anything other than being able to ask anything unfettered, no restrictions. Again, one hour with former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. That will be tomorrow, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time on 77 WABC. Meantime, one of the big issues that everybody is talking about, and we're going to talk about it later on in the hour, is also Senator Tim Scott. Uh, He has just announced that he is running for president. He'll be on the GOP side And boy, he was really interesting when he came out swinging today, talking about his American story and said that my life, his life, especially born in North Charleston, South Carolina, is a story of overcoming and also a true American story. It was great to hear a candidate also talk positively, talk about everything that's basically uh, of the best of America. He brought out his mom, and he brought out a Caucasian woman, too, who he said really helped raise him. So it was sort of that combination of the two of them that helped raise him. And it was a beautiful story to see them both out there on the stage with him. It was deeply heartfelt. It was deeply personal. And on so many ways, it was really an incredible, incredible story. We're also talking about migrants, too, because things are getting downright heated. Now the latest. Remember, they were talking about putting the migrants in the gyms with the elementary school students. What could go wrong there? Remember, the gyms attached to pre-K and elementary school, and then the parents were going crazy and were like, "Uh, uh, uh, I am not going to have that. 
and they decided to somehow kind of go back on that, you know? Um, so now they are talking about maybe putting them in college dorms. What could go wrong with that? Now, let's just see. I think it's like 85 to 90 percent, basically, of the migrants are adult age males. All right. You got adult age males. Right. And they are basically uh, now going to be potentially put in dorm rooms for schools. Uh, I don't think that that's a really good idea. Uh, College age kids. And next door, you're going to have potentially, or maybe even in the same dorm room, what are you going to have down the hall, uh, sharing a bathroom with adult male migrants who don't speak the language, we don't know their history, we don't know their backgrounds. There are so many questions, and you first have to go, what could go wrong there? By the way, I am taking your questions tonight. I see a number of you are calling in for thoughts about what I should ask Governor Cuomo tomorrow. And I am happy to take your thoughts because, boy, I think one hour isn't enough. I could use one day live with him for all the questions that I got for him. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jacqueline on line four. Jacqueline, your thoughts about all of this. Go ahead, Jacqueline. Hi, Rita. Thanks so much. Um, I hope you'll afford me the opportunity because I have several questions that I would like you to ask. Uh, My parents were two of those vulnerable victims in uh, the nursing homes. And um, the last couple of times I tried to speak with you, I I wasn't able to. And uh, the time before that, the break cut me. So um, I just was on another floor in my home, and I want to get to turn my radio off because I moved to uh, another part of the house. Um, There are are a couple of questions that I would appreciate uh, if you would ask him. First of which is... Why, when President Trump was so generous to provide the USS Comfort and also one of the, uh, in Central Park, there were the uh, Christian... Yep, the Franklin Graham. Franklin Graham, yep. Yep. Exactly. That was completely free of cost. There was was not even a a cost for that. the other question that I have is question number two, why did he not mandate nursing homes to move residents who had COVID and or COVID symptoms to these facilities to keep our most vulnerable as safe as possible from the others? Third question I have is why were family members like myself forbidden to enter these facilities to monitor the health state of their loved ones and the conditions in these facilities during this crisis. All care workers at that time and staff were permitted to enter and leave on a daily basis, bringing the disease to these vulnerable residents on a daily basis. For months on end. You know, you bring a, up a great point because you're absolutely right. It was interesting. And, and, and it is an interesting point, just as you said about the nursing homes. Uh, why make that decision? The elderly are obviously the most vulnerable, as you know, among us. 
Um, and I think, obviously, just so you know, nursing homes, I will be talking with him for sure tomorrow. And I have some of the similar thoughts as you bring up about the USS Comfort and other areas that were available. Um, and I think uh, you and so many others that went through, obviously, unimaginable. I can't even imagine. I had friends, by the way, Jacqueline, who lost loved ones. Um, during this time, lost people near and dear to them, their parents or their in-laws, a variety of people, and it is heartbreaking. Um, so I will definitely be asking him about the nursing homes um, and exactly what his thinking was and why these decisions were made. Um, and I hope I can get some answers for you and for so many other families out there because you deserve it. Absolutely. Um, Jacqueline, thank you. And I'm so glad we got to talk and uh, and let me know tomorrow night. Give me a call tomorrow night after you hear it uh, four to five tomorrow. Um, and I will be talking with him about this. Thank you very, very much, Jacqueline. My thoughts and prayers are with you and, of course, all of the family members. Um, let's go to Tony. Line eight. Tony, your thoughts. Rita, I'm so freaking excited for you. And I've been thinking about the question. So here's what I what I would ask. We know that even in August of 2020, there was an article written by the American Institute for Economic Research, which said that the states that did the lockdown had the most deaths and they had the worst economic recovery. It's a great article. So for New York, of course, that meant all the deaths. And it also meant that even now we're still not recovering from the decisions made during a lockdown. And so they say that the, the, the governments that got involved had the worst turnout during COVID. And I think that was a democratic thing, but you can sort of turn that question any way you want. But that really ruined New York City economically and death-wise. Yeah, and, and you look at just the economy. As you talk about, there are still so many businesses that didn't come back. I mean, obviously, the businesses to me are minor compared to the lives lost. Um but you're right. There are so many questions about why it continued. Obviously, there were a lot of different policies at the time. Um, but you're right. Um, and it's important to ask for, to the person who was in charge at that time. Tony, great question. Thank you very much. Uh, let's go to Larry. Line four. Larry, your thoughts. Yeah, Hi, hi Rita. You know, I, for, I have a question for you to ask Cuomo. But before I say the question, I just want to say, you know, in light of the fact that, that uh, Cuomo ignored the, the ship and the Javits Center, and, and proceeded to infect all those people. I think it's beyond reprehensible and that, that Janice D lost her parents. It's beyond reprehensible that he's being allowed to, to, to uh, revive himself, given even the opportunity, the liar that he is. But all that shows is that if you're a billionaire, you, you do whatever you want and you don't have to listen Larry, to anybody. Larry, hang on one second. Two things. I'm not quite sure where you're going, but what I will say is I have, I personally, and, and I think all of you know this, I have the utmost respect for Janice Dean. I have known her for a long, long time, and I have the utmost respect for every single family member that has lost life. I don't think there's any intent, by the way, of WABC whatsoever, and I know there's not any intent of using this as an opportunity to help prop anybody up. Uh, this is an opportunity to finally maybe get some answers from Andrew Cuomo. He has made himself available, and I think any journalist in the country would take that offer. Any radio station in the country would take that offer. And I also think um, so many people out there absolutely deserve to get the answers. Uh, and maybe they'll finally get some answers from him that they have been seeking. 
and certainly deserve it uh, much more than I do and much more than anybody else does, especially those who are deeply, deeply affected. They deserve some answers. So I hope that we can get them uh, for him, you know, for from him tomorrow to give to everybody, including Janice Dean, who I think the world of and to all the families who I think the world of. And and uh, and hopefully maybe we can get some answers for them. Uh, that are helpful uh, because anything we can do, certainly they deserve it. That is first and foremost. And and to me, uh, I adore Janice Dean. I think the world of her, she's been a real hero for the families. And uh, and that uh, will never change in my heart. Larry, thank you, though, very, very much. If you have a question, I'll let you go real quick. Yes. Okay. So, uh, okay, we go in with that agenda. Please, there's please no agenda. Ask. There's no agenda. No, no, but go no, no, ahead, with, with, the, with the good agenda, you just you just enunciated. Okay. Okay. Thank so, you okay. for giving me the benefit of the doubt, which is more than some people right. on social media have. But go ahead. So, so my question is this. Okay, I was walking around Manhattan today, and I saw such a beautiful city that I'm going to unfortunately probably have to leave because it's sullied with the smell of marijuana smoke. When, when he legalized pot. Okay, when he stuck it in the bill and legalized pot, what was he thinking? Was did he did he does he think that anything matters more than simply financial revenue? What about the people that object? The majority of people that that object to smelling that's the strong fumes that emanate was he's a smart man? Was he did he does he care about people more than money, or does he care about money more than people? Would you please ask him that? Like you know what your your question about weed is is a great one, Larry, because it is everywhere, and I agree with you. I can't stand it. And now I see so many sort of drug addicts walking around New York or homeless people uh, that are walking around New York high as a kite, um, and that certainly can't be helping the situation. Let's put it that way. It's like what about like secondhand marijuana? It's everywhere. Uh, I'm surprised that we're not all high because there's so I have never walked down the street of New York and not smelled it. So I think that that's a powerful question. We're going to continue with your thoughts, everybody. After the break, keep them coming. Uh, I'm going to be talking to Andrew Cuomo tomorrow in exclusive and hopefully getting answers for family members and everybody out there. Most importantly, the families, because they deserve it. 1-800-848-9222. Taking your thoughts on this Monday night. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we are talking about the migrant situation in New York. Tim Scott throwing his name in the ring on the GOP side for president with a really inspirational story. Also some new details in the Daniel Penny case that, of course, is the Marine who put Jordan Neely in a chokehold. Uh, but everybody buzzing, it seems like, on air and online uh, about the interview that I will be doing in a matter of hours from now, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time on WABC Radio. And also you can hear it on WABC Radio Dot com wherever you are around the country, 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. I will be doing an exclusive live, no-holds-barred interview with former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. This will be sort of his first uh, basically wide-ranging interview that he has done since he resigned from the governorship. So we're going to be talking about a wide variety of topics. Nothing is off-limits. No topic uh, is without question. And I will be able to ask him whatever I'd like. So feel free to send me ideas that you think you would like to hear in the conversation. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. 
Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike in South Carolina. Go ahead, Mike. And Rita, always a good show. Um, you know, a shout out to Jacqueline, you know, the first caller. Absolutely. Because, um, you know, I lost a cousin, uh, uh, Marianne, 55. She had COVID. I see you, and she passed away. I'm so uh, sorry. My first cousin. I was living in Florida at the time. And uh, that would be a key question for Cuomo. And I'll tell you this. I volunteered at two kitchens in Long Beach. After Sandy, I see Cuomo on a boardwalk with Shannon for a little while. But, you know, I wonder what his reaction would be, you know, if he was still a governor, uh, similar to what this, this disgraceful governor is doing. And my birthday, like I said, May 11th, and the buses keep on coming. The buses keep on rolling. Yeah, they sure and, do. Uh, no, you're right. They're, yeah. they're, it would be interesting to get his perspective on where things are now. Because uh, just like you said, um, you know, the, the buses do keep coming. And there is such a mess now. Uh, they are saying that we are basically in a position of epic proportions, where they're even talking about, Mike, uh, work permits. Also, by the way, trying to rush up work permits for migrants uh, just because the situation is so unbelievable. That's their reasoning, as opposed to maybe saying close the border. Maybe that's the better reasoning, first off. For sure. Uh, we're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. Mike, thanks so much. Let's go to Judith. Judith, your thoughts about uh, what I should ask Governor Cuomo. Hi, Rita. Listen, um, could you please ask him, I think, two or three questions I've got. Number one, when he had these meetings all the time and everything, he actually told a reporter, he was telling her office something. He said, you know what? And he said it twice. COVID means death. COVID means death. Could you please ask, uh, what's his name, Cuomo, if he knew that COVID means death, in his own words, how did he then mandate this ridiculous thing of just putting elderly back into the nursing homes and infecting everyone and getting sick and like, I don't know, how many, 16,000 died? Could you explain that? He himself knew that is a death sentence. That's one. In his own words, true. Ask him, how does he feel about uh, Daniel Penny? Is he a good Samaritan or is he a murderer? I'd like to know his take on it because, you know, and also, why did he sign sign off on the bail reform? He's the one that signed off on the bail reform. And we've got all this crime stuff going on, shoplifting, whatever, and the revolving doors and everything. He's the one. He's to blame. Why did he do that? Yep. Lots of questions, believe me. And you're right. With the bail reform, you think about where the situation is now. Uh, the Marine is also something I've thought about, too, as well. Uh, so, Judith, these are great thoughts. Thank you so much. I knew you'd have some good stuff there. You always, always do. Uh, let's go to let's go to Carol. Line eight. Carol, your thoughts real quick. Yes. Good evening. I'm the first time caller. I, I just have one question. I was listening to Curtis Lee's show, and he uh, had a tape of uh, Mr. Como saying America was never that great. I was wondering if you could ask him what he meant by that, and uh, you can confirm it with Mr. Slee because he had it on his show today, and I heard the tape. He yeah, I have. By it. the way, I have heard that as well. Um, so I know exactly what you're talking about. 
Um, and we certainly could get some good clarification on that. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. Keep them coming. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great law enforcement and, of course, their families, a powerful story coming from Richland, Mississippi, where police officers helped save the life of a one-year-old girl who was choking on an unknown substance and coughing up blood. So officers responded to a 911 call in the morning on Saturday. When a dispatcher received the call, it was determined that the address of the residence was outside of the Richland, Mississippi city limits. However, that didn't stop officers from Richland to respond who were also assisted by county officers. Indeed, when Officer Mullins arrived at the scene, Officer saw the child was struggling to breathe. He assessed the situation and immediately began life-saving measures before other officers arrived. They said the child began crying loudly and coughing strongly, and an EMS ambulance later arrived at the location, thankfully with the child awake and also breathing. The one-year-old was then taken to the Children's Hospital in Jackson, Mississippi, for evaluation, where she was later released from the hospital to go home with her family. And by the way, to the surprise of the family and the little girl upon leaving the hospital, all of the responding officers had arrived there at the hospital and brought with them some surprise gifts for the little one-year-old. What a great, great story. And talk about terrific teamwork between law enforcement agencies. Well, I am taking your calls as I will be talking to former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo tomorrow live, 4 to 5 p.m. on WABC Radio. You can also hear it wherever you are around the country on WABCRadio.com. What should I ask him? What would you like to hear about? It's the first time he has basically had a no-holds-barred, nothing-off-the-table interview, and it will be live And it will be an interesting interview for sure. There's certainly a lot to talk about. What are your thoughts? 1-800-848-9222-1-800-848-9222. And we're also talking about news of the day. Big stuff happening also with Tim Scott throwing his name into the arena for the GOP side of the presidential race. And I just want to play a little bit because his speech was really inspiring. Here it is just a little bit ago in North Charleston, South Carolina, where he was born. I was seven years old when my parents divorced. We moved in with my grandparents, my mom and my brother. We all three shared one bed and one bedroom in that 700-square-foot rental home. But my grandfather said to me, son, you can be bitter or you can be better but you can't be both. You see, he chose patriotism over pity. He focused on the windshield of his life and not on the rearview mirror. And today, I'm living proof that America is the land of opportunity and not a land of oppression. He got fired up, that was for sure. And he certainly has an inspiring story. Uh, In fact, where he talked about his grandfather picking cotton and how amazing that his life embodies cotton to Congress and his grandfather was alive to see him get elected 
to Congress. I mean, isn't that an amazing thing? And here he is now running. And it was just, it's beautiful. It was nice to see an inspiring story. African-American, I think he will also cut into the votes for Joe Biden in South Carolina. Joe Biden desperately wants a strong African-American turnout, particularly in South Carolina, because it helped for him last time. Remember James Clyburn rally behind him, and that helped him big time. And Tim Scott said, America is a great country. You just talked about the line, America was never great. Well, Tim Scott flipped the script, and he basically said, it is the greatest country ever, and it's also not a racist country. Listen to him. Again, this is a GOP African-American Senator Tim Scott, now officially running for president. For those of you who wonder if America is a racist country, Take a look at how people come together. All of God's people come together. Black ones and white ones and red ones and brown ones working together. Because love, unconditional love, binds hearts together. We are not defined by the color of our skin. We are defined by the content of our character. And if anyone tells you anything different, they're a lion. He was fired up. And it certainly makes the race really interesting uh, with this optimistic message, an African-American, South Carolina. Now you also have Nikki Haley there. By the way, uh, Trump already firing out. He said this. He is praising Tim Scott. Uh, and his presidential bid, he just put out a statement a little bit ago saying it's a big step up from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis because Ron DeSantis is also expected to announce this week that he is running for president and Trump is coming out swinging. No doubt about that saying that Tim Scott is a better candidate by far, he says, than also Ron DeSantis. By the way, the other thing, too, that Trump put out as we've been talking about uh, everything with Governor Cuomo, because I will be interviewing him tomorrow, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern time, is on Truth Social, President Trump put out a tweet basically saying that DeSantis was number four on COVID deaths, uh, rather number three, and Cuomo was number four. So he said basically that DeSantis's policies in Florida were not that great. You can tell it is going to be gloves off between Trump and DeSantis. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to JC in Pennsylvania. JC, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, how are you? I got some, uh, on three topics, I got uh, 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 quick thoughts. But first of all, Jimi Hendrix, Axis Boldest Love, okay? So there are few people in the world, or there's certain special people in the world that can change the axis. If you understand what I mean, the axis is the, the, the center of the universe that actually guides the vibrations. Tim Scott is one of those people just hearing his voice just changes the axis of the earth to move in a positive direction. Uh, Tim Scott, okay, love the guy, beautiful guy. Now, opportunity, he just said that and used Martin Luther's um, uh, King's statement about right, the, the character. character. Right, the character of yes. the person, not the color okay, of the skin. Exactly. But remember, he went to Trump and he said, Trump, I have this idea, opportunity zones. And Trump said, go for it. And he gave him the he gave him 
the access to do that. So I think Tim Scott's a great presidential candidate. I don't know if he'll beat Trump in the primaries, but if he doesn't, he would be a great VP match for Trump. No doubt about it. What a ticket. You know what? I thought about that, too, J.C., that I I thought about that, that I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Whoever Mm -hmm. wins the primary and right now Trump is so far ahead uh, in the GOP primary, although, you know, DeSantis hasn't officially announced and he probably is going to in a matter of days, everybody thinks. Um, But I think Tim Scott or Nikki Haley as a number two, um, you sort of see them potentially vying. I mean, again, you never know. Uh, remember, everybody was like talking about Jeb Bush like he was the hero, remember, in 2016. And boy, that fell flat. Uh, Trump, like, you know, just squashed him and smushed him and moved on. Um, so who knows where it's going to go? But I, I'm thinking the same way you are, that if it doesn't, if he doesn't uh, go to the top, he would, I think, be on everybody's thoughts for a potential VP choice. And his message is great. It's such a great American story. He is, like you said, I've talked to Tim Scott. Um, I actually was talking with him when he was in New York a couple weeks ago. Joyous guy. We had him on the show. I'm sure we're going to have him on again. And he really is very, very sincere also in person, too, at least my thoughts uh, from the times that I have met him, too. Uh, JC, thanks so much. Let's go to Al, line six. Al, your thoughts about Tim Scott real quick. Yeah, hi, Rita. You know, I think Tim Scott, I don't know that much about him. I know he uh, replaced a long-term Senator Strom Thurmond. Uh, I think Senator Scott uh, is a real long shot. Uh, he's going to be in the back of the pack with Asa Hutchinson. What about so the VP? What about what about like forward. a VP? What about a lot of times people get in well, yeah, knowing maybe but, they won't get number one, but maybe they'll be the VP shortlist. Well, I don't think he'll be on a short list for Donald Trump if he's the nominee or uh, Ron DeSantis, whoever it is, because South Carolina in the uh, general election is a solid, a solid, solidly a state for the Republicans. So uh, he would need somebody in a different state to, like a crucial state, to uh, get over the electoral college. So South Carolina is going to go Republican no matter what. No, that's a great point, Al. You're right, because it is usually very much just like you said, although maybe they feel – uh, obviously being an African-American, that yeah. he has some sort of appeal that he could pull in votes uh, from that direction. Great point. Al, thank you very, very much. Uh, let's go to Max. Line seven. Max, your thoughts. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Um, the problem I see here is that Tim Scott's being a bit too ambiguous. He, he, he could have touched on serious things that people are looking for to resolve in the U.S., like how are we going to get rid of drag queen story? Are we going to main, main, or are we going to continue to maintain the Second Amendment? Can we do that? I think he'll get to that, though, Max. He just announced a couple hours ago, you know, so I think, like, for a lot of people, maybe they didn't know who he was so much, so he was repeating his story. But I think he's going to get into that. He's going to have to get into it, like you said. Go ahead, Max. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I think if he's going to suck us all in and, you know, I mean, get or grab our attention might be a better word. Um, I think he started out on the wrong foot because this sort of sort of positive thinking uh, diatribe is something that all politicians pull off. And uh, right now the U.S. is about to drown and it's and we're about to lose the Constitution. So he needs to put, give us throw us a good life preserver to bring us up and to maintain us. No, that's a great point. You got to have realistic answers, uh, regardless. I, I, it is nice to have something inspiring at a time where there's been so much bad news. 
Um, but you're right. He also has to have practical solutions and also come up with them. And we'll see if he can deliver on that. I mean, he certainly is experienced uh, because he has been in the Senate. Um, he's been in politics for a while. So he's an interesting guy. Um, and he's got an interesting life story. So you're right. Let's see if he's got the goods. That's the next step. Uh, let's go to LQ, line eight. LQ, your thoughts. You got a question I understand that I should ask Cuomo. Go ahead. Yes, God bless you, Regina. Rita. Um, the question is a follow-up on one, the first question, a follow-up on, um, uh, oh, God. Uh, the, uh, oh yeah, don't God. worry about it. Go when ahead, he, LQ. When he, when he, when he um, uh, wanted to, uh, the, the question on abortion, on smoking and, and the weed thing, why didn't he make a, uh, a referendum for all the people? So it's because it's so controversial. Uh, oh God! That the second question, it, when he uh, was accused of uh, uh, rape and all these things by women, if you're innocent, why do you resign? Why do you quit? Man up! No, that's an interesting point. And most of them, by the way, were not rape. They were uh, sexual harassment, actually, like inappropriate touching or uh, kissing, things like that. Um, but but that's a that's a fair point too. Uh, if you are innocent, uh, stay in the fight. Uh, that's a that's a great point. So very interesting. And of course, the women have a very different version also of what happened, too, and have also, you know, come forward and talked about that, too. But good point, LQ. Let's go to Andrew. Line three. Andrew, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. Yeah, um, I have a really good question. You could ask him, is he going to return the Emmy that he got? And um, my main question is going back in the past when he was with the um, Community Reinvestment Act. He was one of the people that controlled funding for those subprime loans that blew up in everyone's face. And it wasn't all the banks doing wrongdoings. It was Democrats funding those, pushing those, saying you're racist, you don't support giving out these loans. So does he take any responsibility for that? Would he do that again? And also my mom, who's Italian, she was offended when he said, oh, you know, that's why I'm touching women. He said he's third generation in this country, and they don't do that third generation. And she thinks his accent is phony. She's like, and she. Yeah, he said he's Italian. Remember, he said it's Italian. Right. It's an Italian thing. Yeah. You know, Andrew, that that's where I think that's where I think that one was going. But uh, what your mom said, uh, Italians don't do that. Is that what you're saying? Don't, and also about the women. Why did he have a predatorial what I saw? work environment where there was pictures of him at the poolside in the mansion at the couch like you Hefner is he going to if he's back in office will he conduct business in a proper office setting not what I see as being a predator having women on a couch which I've never had in a work place I'm not at the pool so it seemed like a setup that he was the sneak you know that he would set up that environment to be with the women in that house not in an office so will Community Reinvestment Act, and will he be only conducting business in offices, not on couches and not in bikinis at the poolside? Yeah, and you know what? You know those are interesting questions too. And of course, um, he's also denied that that uh, said that these things didn't happen, that the allegations are not true. Um, but it, you bring up some interesting things. Would there be different things in procedures? That's a fair point. Um, and a great question to ask. Let's go to Steve, line one. Steve, your thoughts. Yes, hi, Rita. Um, you know, regarding Cuomo's decision, 
to endanger the, the vulnerable elderly and infirm population by forcing COVID patients to live under the same roof, I really believe may have had some ulterior motives. Number one, I felt he just wanted to stick to, to the president, to Donald Trump, by rejecting his help, rejecting the shift, the resources, the Javits Center, all of that. And then, then by putting them back in the nursing homes, the, the, the COVID patients, he really, uh, a lot of people died because of that. And I happen to have a distrust of government, which I never had when I was younger, only as I got older. I realized and I start seeing what's, what's, what's going on in government. And, I, and I'm thinking, is it, wrong, is it crazy to think that the way government looks at people, they're disposable. You know, these are elderly people, infirm, disabled. They're in nursing homes. They're, they need a lot of resources. They require Medicare, Social Security. Cost a lot of money. Maybe we could take that money and give it to other people or reallocate it during COVID. Well, that so, and boy, boy, guess, uh, boy, if that played a role, that is heartbreaking, obviously, Steve, because as you point out, most vulnerable among us um, and and, you know, such pivotal members of the family. What, what do you believe uh, if there were a motive? What do you believe it is? I think there's a little of a little of everything I mentioned. I think it's very easy uh, for people. You know, look, you look at generals, people in war, they always make decisions where people will die. You know, soldiers go into battle, they know we're going to lose X number of soldiers, and that's the cost of war in order to win. And I think that in their minds, it just people just become numbers to government, and, and he, they, they just didn't care. It's, it's really illogical to put someone sick with someone who's healthy, especially vulnerable people. You want to separate them. That's why the president sent the comfort, the U.S. comfort, the ship, he opened up the Jacob Javits Center to give, you know, an option, and these weren't used. And I may clearly remember those uh, pressers that, that, that Cuomo would have every single day. He would get on and talk and talk and talk, and he just didn't want to give the president any credit, uh, didn't want help, you know, whether it's getting the, uh, the ventilators and, and the ship and all that. No, we could take care of it. We don't need any help. And look at the end result. Look what happens when you when you – Turn down help when you shouldn't be turning it down. You should be thankful that somebody's offering you help. Well, so we'll 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 find out. We'll sense. we'll ask him. That those are interesting points, yeah. Steve. We will definitely ask him, and I'll be talking with him again, everybody, tomorrow, four to five p.m. Eastern. I'll continue with your calls, everybody. What do you think we should talk to Governor Cuomo about? I have one hour with him. No holds barred. Can ask him anything. What are your thoughts, guys? And also, what are your thoughts also about migrants in New York? We're talking about weed. We're talking about the presidential race. It is one hot night here on The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show. away from what will be an interesting and no doubt a very powerful one hour with former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Nothing's off the table and there's a lot to talk about. We were talking about Daniel Penny. We're going to be talking more about that in the next hour. Some new details on that case and comments coming from Daniel Penny. The first time we've heard from the former Marine who did that chokehold on Jordan Neely on the New York City subway. Also, migrants is a huge issue. Uh, the numbers keep coming and coming, as you know, in New York. Uh, bail reform, um, obviously, so many different issues. Uh, certainly, of course, nursing home 
and the women. There are many, many questions. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Alice, line one, from Ohio. Go ahead, Alice. Hi, a couple things. First of all, um, ask the governor, is he going to get rid of Prosecutor Bragg and change that ridiculous bail situation you have up there? Yeah, well, by the way, you uh, know he's the former governor, so he's not in a position to do that. But but it'd be interesting if he came back again or if he were in power, I could ask it that way. Yep. Right. And the immigrant situation, why can't you just turn those buses around? You've reached a saturation point. And why don't they take Mr. Katsimatis? suggestion about Rikers Island. Yep. You know, by the way, uh, John's uh, John Katsimatidi's suggestion, which is a big one, and a lot of people are talking about it. It's a great one to take off the jail cells because you don't want to have them feel like they're in uh, a jail, per se, um, and put some like nice bedding in there. There are tons of cells. Put the migrants there. Then you vet them. You figure it out. At least you can go through them and figure out who's in this country. Uh, And there are so many cells there that are available for use. And it makes a lot of sense. A lot of people are buzzing about that. And you ask the question, like, why is New York not turning them around? Uh, Because New York doesn't want to turn them around. Um, We've heard clearly and we heard from the mayor and from the governor uh, just even a few hours ago. They made this suggestion that they want to see work permits expedited in the federal government because they believe that there are 14,000 different labor type jobs where almost immediately they could use migrants in there. Now, a lot of unions don't like that because it's cheaper labor. And also, I'm not hearing anything saying that they feel like sending them back. They want to send them elsewhere so there's more room in New York, but they're really asking for more money. They're not saying Biden close the border. You got to have the president close the border. They're going to keep coming till somebody closes it. 1-800-848-9222. We'll continue with your great calls, everybody. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. What will definitely be an event. It is the first sort of no-holds-barred interview with former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, who resigned, as we know, amidst all these allegations tied to the nursing homes. Of course, the 11 women accusations with sexual harassment. We're going to talk about that. Uh, We will talk about if he believes the prosecution against him was politically motivated. Uh, What was driving it? What are the facts? Um, and what is behind it and what was behind some of the decisions that were made. Also, certainly talking about what is ahead for him. Uh, no restrictions, nothing off limits, no topics off limits. I can ask him anything. And tonight you are my team of researchers as well. So what would you like to hear from the former governor? Certainly we will also talk about migrants because, boy, is that a huge issue in New York. And just a little bit ago, Governor Kathy Hochul proclaiming New York is basically the top spot, something we all know. Take a listen. New York City is the number one destination for asylum seekers who have been released from federal custody 
who are awaiting their next steps in the process. Now, we know why. New York is an incredible place to live. But it also has conferred a lot of responsibility. And the fact that right now there are over 42,000 people sheltered, safely sheltered in this city, shows the effectiveness of the mayor's operation, but also the compassion of the people here in New York. Because this is a humanitarian crisis, not created by this city, not created by this state, but it doesn't matter. It does matter in the sense that it's created by the Biden administration. She is a Democrat. And I do think that they're at least speaking out. Uh, Certainly, Mayor Eric Adams is speaking out because it's overwhelming. On the other hand, I would love to see Democrats saying, close the border, Joe Biden. I mean, this is crazy because if you don't close the leaky sieve, it's going to keep leaking. And guess what? New York is a prime place because they're hearing hotel rooms, ka-ching. They're hearing cell phones, ka-ching. Health insurance, ka-ching. Uh, all these different things. Maybe if they did put them up in, say, Rikers Island, which John Katsimatidis has suggested, the owner and operator of Red Apple Media, maybe it wouldn't sound so appealing if they said, guess what? We got a great bed for you, and it's in the former Rikers prison. And then if you go to uh, San Fran, we're going to put you in Alcatraz. You know what? Somehow, maybe they may not want to come to New York and San Francisco just as much. Uh, but Mayor Eric Adams, by the way, does concede that this migrant issue could be backfiring big time on Democrats who have opened the welcome mat. Take a listen. Here is Eric Adams talking over the weekend on that. When I talked about public safety and the overproliferation of guns in our country uh, last year, uh, many people were not listening to the concern of voters. And I'm saying that again. Uh, I would do everything possible to get the president reelected. I've made that clear. Uh, my concern is not politics, it's people. The people who are coming to this country should receive the proper uh, care that they deserve. And the people who are in this country should not be overburdened with the cost that is associated with this. And the people who are workers, uh, many of my civil servants have been spending a long hour They've been on the front line since COVID, and they continue uh, to deal with this issue. So this is not politics for me. This is about people. The people are protected as a police officer, and now I'm serving as the mayor. And a lot of people are at least giving Eric Adams kudos for at least addressing the issue and saying, you know what, we got to find a solution. Uh, And at least he is speaking out. Here is Mayor Suarez of Miami who also says that he's planning to run for president. I'm actually quite proud of of Mayor Adams from New York for standing up uh, and talking about how this is impacting the the city of New York. I mean, he has to focus on on crime reduction. And instead, you know, you see images of police officers helping people in the the classic Roosevelt Hotel um, uh, find housing. And so, you know, these officers uh, should be, and you'd want them to be focused on on reducing crime and instead have to deal with this uh, migrant crisis, which, as you've said, uh, should be a federal issue. And now we have public advocate Jamati Williams of New York City, who, if you thought things were not left of the left, they are so far left. He has basically pushed a bill through the New York City Council that got unanimous approval in the city council, still has to get officiated and go through approvals for it to be a bill. But on the surface, they approved Basically, this bill that allows migrants the right to shelter, the right to sleep on the streets, the rights to file complaint against other citizens and the right to vote in local elections. Is there anything else we need to do? 
Could we have a bigger neon sign to say, hey, come on to New York City and you'll wonder why they are coming? Well, there will certainly be a lot of questions, obviously, when I talk to former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. What does he think? Uh, because he was supportive of the sanctuary city policy. one 800 848 Let's go to BJ, line one. Uh, you have a question uh, you would like to hear Cuomo answer. Oh, do I have a question? <laughs> All right, no. let's hear it, BJ. Let's hear it. That sounded that sounded kind of devilish, like a movie character, BJ. <laughs> That's my Jackie Gleason, my Reginald Van Gleason. Yeah, I love but, Jackie Gleason. He was great. Yeah, he, there you go. So I would like to know when uh, when will Andrew Corleone, I mean Cuomo, uh, pay back the uh, million dollar advance he took for that phony book, which he didn't even write, which he had staff members write. Uh, so he used our tax dollars to extract money from publishers for a phony COVID-19 book that depicted him as Winston Churchill when uh, he had the greatest number of deaths, the greatest number of, of sicknesses, when uh, uh, he locked away uh, COVID patients in the uh, uh, nursing homes. I'd like to know if he's ever going to ever, ever going to. Uh, because he knows it's, it may have been, I think a judge ruled on it, it was legal, but it really was unethical. And I don't know why he's trying to, re, why he's even uh, coming forward to give you an interview, because uh, I don't think this guy could ever get elected dog catcher. I'm sorry. I, I, he's really befouled the, the public square. Well, we'll find, and, by the way, we will find out, um, you know, we're, we are fair to everybody and we will see. What he has in store, too. I don't know. Maybe he'll tip his hand also tomorrow to see what is in his works, you know. Uh, is he thinking of a political comeback? Is he thinking of another profession? Um, there's a lot of questions. Uh, but but you laid a lot of them out there, BJ, and uh, some of them are certainly notable ones. BJ, thank you. I'll be thinking of you tomorrow when I talk to him between 4 and 5 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, let's go to Robert, Suffolk County, line 7. Robert, your thoughts. Go ahead. Hi, Rita. Uh, on the migrants? Yep, go ahead. Whatever you'd uh, like. Okay. Uh, keep these cell doors on because we're going to need them. Tens, if not hundreds of thousands of these illegal immigrants, big word, illegal, are not eligible to stay here and can be deported. They must be photographed fingerprinted, tested for contagious diseases, and vaccinated. If they are going you know, to you know the here. problem is, Robert, though, when you're talking about the vetting, and you're right, a number of them will not qualify for asylum, most of them, to your exact point, because uh, the real standards for asylum are, you know, persecution, not economic hardship. They all have economic hardship, uh, but do they also fit the criteria of political persecution and others? Uh, it's a very slim amount. It's usually, you know, within 10 or less percent. And you're right. Do they fit that criteria? You have to, it takes a long time to vet. We have to do a better job and make it faster. Also, do they have any criminal record? We don't know. It's very hard if it's somebody who comes from another country to get access to their records and the right name and all that stuff. Um, but you're right. A lot of them may end up there. Um, the key is obviously, and this is why, you know, and I've talked about this before. I'm a firm believer that there should be a remain in Mexico, um, that people should be vetted 
And then once they're cleared, if they fit the criteria, we are the land of opportunity. We're the greatest country in the world. And I never begrudge anyone from coming here. I begrudge us for not vetting and doing a good job because once they're in the country, you can never keep track of them. I mean, you can't, you're, you can't keep track of them at the border. You can't keep track of them in the country. Um, so there are so many issues. Um, but I hear what you're saying, Robert. There are so many and also health issues, too. We have no idea. Uh, let's go to Joe. In Jericho, line five. Go ahead, Joe. Freedom, my love, I'm going to hit your rapid fire. And as usual, you brilliantly respond. First of all, ask Cuomo why he hates cops, because he he pardoned convicted cop killer Janet Clark. He and the scummio, de Blasio, set her up in an apartment and benefits and the pension and utilities and groceries and a wardrobe. While American veterans are out in the street eating and drinking out of garbage cans, and whole families are homeless. Ask him why his last act as governor, the garbage that he is, that he pardoned the getaway driver of a cop killer. Why? Why ask him? Why did he allow the South Shore of Staten Island become the whole cocaine, hashish, heroin, and opiates, fentanyl-centered overdose of the world? Ask him why he didn't start an investigation into for Martina Baruta, head of the VA in New York, who sold embezzled $40 million from the East 23rd Street Federal VA and was allowed to retire with a pension. By the and way, hey, Joe. Why he does these things. Hey, Joe. And by the way, I, I hear you on, on um, you know, the pardon is an interesting one. I thought about that as well, because that, that was an interesting act. And you know how much I love the police. And I know you do, too. Um, what do you think, too, when you hear about the migrants that we're also talking about, too, Joe, and the fact that, um, you know, we're hearing about now, okay, well, we're going to give them the right to vote. We're going to give them the right to shelter. Jamani Williams wants to basically invite them to, uh, sounds like the Waldorf, and, you know, have uh, Cristal Champagne. I mean, and and you just talked about the veterans. I mean, what a what a contrast to the way that they are rolling out the red carpet. And I think we need to give priorities to Americans. My goodness, especially veterans. Your thoughts as we're hearing more and more of the things that are sort of being thrown at these migrants, it's like, uh, let's one-up it. You know, it seems like, what else can we offer them? Uh, your thoughts, Joe, about that. Hey, Joe, are you there? Joe, I lost you. Call us yes, back. Rita. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Joe. Go ahead, my friend. Go ahead. And one other thing, Rita, ask him why he and his father and brother and his grandfather never served in the U.S. military, even though they were of serviceable age, including Mario, could have been drafted. And, and said he played baseball while he both his grandfathers. It, Italian-Americans are front and center defending this country, going back to the Revolutionary War, as the Polish did in the American, um, in the Union Army. Uh, the bottom line is, why didn't he and his brother and his father and his grandfather serve? Why did he never open a, a uh, city-run, state-run retirement home for American veterans in New York City, the only major American city that doesn't have one? Now, now, those are great. Those are great points. Joe, thank you very much. All great points. We'll continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. And I'll continue your calls after the break. We'll be talking to former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo tomorrow, 4 to 5 p.m. live on WABC Radio. Also, WABCradio.com. Must listen to radio. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
And we are hours away from what will be certainly a radio event. I will be interviewing former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, who resigned after 11 women accused him of sexual harassment. Well, he will be joining me live for the hour tomorrow, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time on WABC Radio. You can also hear it on WABCRadio.com. We have been talking also about no-cash bail. We have been talking certainly about migrants. So many issues. What are your thoughts about this? one 800 848 Let's go to Bob, line three. Bob, your thoughts. Good evening, Rita. How are you? Good, good, good. What are you thinking, Bob? Uh, a couple of questions. I'm a retired law enforcement. Is this clown going to re- uh, going to apologize to INS for making that statement that they're all thugs? You know what? That's a great question, too, because I remember uh, when there were some serious questions that he had about the INS. Um, and, boy, they do great work. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of our border folks. Um, so we'll bring that up. That's a good one. What's it? Do you have another question, Bob? Go ahead. Just be prepared because he's a con artist. He figures he can outsmart you because you're a woman. I'm telling you, do your homework. He's going to try to answer questions in a way where he's not going to look that bad. Well, we will certainly hold his feet to the fire and also be fair, too. I mean, we, we have an opportunity to give everybody a chance to speak, and that's what this is really all about. Uh, Bob, thank you very much. Um, and uh, the little woman thing ain't going to work, right? <laughs> I think you guys know me well on that one. one 800 Let's go to Pat on Staten Island. Line one. Pat, go ahead. Oh, thank you, Rita, for taking my call. I love your program. Thank you. Four, four words. Charity begins at home. Yep. I don't hear anyone saying it just like that. But I look at our country. I love our country. But I think people should be uh, should recognize this. At this point, Biden, you could say, hates America. He has destroyed and is destroying every one of our institutions, starting with the border. Our country, where we live and pay taxes and love our country, those of us who do should take charitable means for our own people first. And that shouldn't be overlooked. It's very important. Yeah, no, by the way, and I agree too. I think, you know, if you can help other people, but you don't want to make us so vulnerable that you're allowing everybody in unvetted, unchecked, unscreened, um, and then not taking care of, as you brought up, like veterans and Joe from Jericho who just called. Uh, There's something wrong if we're ignoring first Americans and not taking care of so many needy Americans. And then if we have space to help somebody else and we can vet them and make sure that they're appropriately in the country, then I understand. But we're not at that point yet. We have just like now, we have millions of people in this country that we have zero idea why they are coming in. And we're paying taxpayer dollars. New York City, $4.3 billion, they believe, is going to be the price tag by end of next year. Taxpayer dollars. Did you sign up for that, guys? Uh, let's go to Joanne in Queens, line three. Joanne, your thoughts? Yes. Um, wouldn't it have been better if we use this $4.3 billion we're spending to make Mexico great, to build up their country, teach birth control, and have um, them in a country that 
better than, and that's where our money should have been spent. The problem is, Joanne, we have now a Mexican president who is so happy that Joe Biden has an open border. I mean, when they were standing next to each other in Mexico City, uh, I'll never forget the moment where the Mexican president looked at him and said, you know what, Mr. President Biden, you are the greatest president. You haven't built any barrier on the southern border. Thank you so much for basically allowing our murderers, rapists and thieves and everybody else and a lot of good people, too, of course, everybody coming through. Right. Thank you for not vetting anybody, not protecting your homeland and being derelict in your duty, basically. Oh, thank you, Mr. President. I mean, if you had a responsible Mexican president, you could make the case. But so much of the money is going to the cartels. And this president in Mexico is just he's like Biden light. He makes Biden look like Patton. You know, I mean, that's really trouble, Joanne. Uh, I wish it would work, uh, but it ain't going to work, you know, with this combination. We have like dumb and dumber on both sides of the border. And that is really scary. And the administration and and I mean, at the White House and at Los Pinos, which is the capital there in Mexican Mexico City, where the presidential palace is. Let's go to Pete. Line one. Pete, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead, Pete. Hey, Rita, I have no doubt that you interviewing with the uh, Murano tomorrow is going to be great because you'll ask the right question. You mean with the governor, with Governor Cuomo, right? Governor Cuomo, is that what you're talking about? Yes, the Governor Cuomo tomorrow. You'll ask the right questions like Jacqueline and uh, it said earlier she had the questions. Her parents, she lost them in the uh, with this pandemic thing from the COVID-19. And I know you have all the right questions. And if he tries to get on you, you'll cut him like a knife. You are the best. And I have faith in it. I'm looking forward to listening tomorrow between what, four and five. Four to I'll five. Be all, I'll, I'll be all ears. I'm going to have a backup radio just in case the one radio goes bad. So. Well, I can't wait for you to be tuning in. And you got to call me tomorrow night and tell me what you think. We'll continue with your calls. We love you, Pete. Thank you. The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a powerful story coming from Yukon, Oklahoma where last weekend Oklahomans celebrated Armed Forces Appreciation Day at the first annual celebration in Yukon, and many honored an Army Air Force veteran who is turning 100 years old, veteran Philip Q. Reed. He was recognized for his service from 1944 to 1946. He is from Cole, Oklahoma, and he's still living, by the way, in the home that he was born in that was built back in 1912. Veteran Reed was drafted to serve in World War II, where he was stationed in Naples, Italy, and with the Army Air Force just a few years before the U.S. Air Force was actually created in 1947. And he can tell stories about passing out draft letters out at the post office to draftees uh, for World War II. And only, basically, the only vet, get this, to receive his own draft letter because he was the postmaster of Cole, Oklahoma at the time. Um, he was also recognized alongside other Oklahoma reter- uh, veterans for the Armed Forces Day. And this week, the Military Appreciation Month continues with Memorial Day, of course, where all of us recognize and honor our nation's men and women of service. 
uh, based, of course, in the United States and stationed all over the globe and those who have sacrificed so much for our freedom. And again, we always love honoring our great military and, of course, their families who have done so much for our country and around the world. Well, speaking of military, uh, Daniel Penny has done his first interview. He just did an interview uh, over the weekend, and he spoke to the New York Post. And in it, he made some interesting statements. He, of course, is the Marine who was on the subway when Jordan Neely was placed in the chokehold by him. And we've had eyewitnesses basically saying that they overheard Jordan Neely shouting, screaming, throwing things, saying, I'm going to kill you, Mother Blanks. Uh, I don't care if I go to jail the rest of my life. That sure sounds threatening. And Thomas Keneff, who is the attorney for Daniel Penny, said that this is a good guy, uh, that he grew up basically, uh, you know, in the wake of 9-11. He felt that he was compelled to serve. Um, Daniel Penny also telling, by the way, uh, the New York Post, that race had nothing to do with his actions that day, that he was just trying to protect other strap hangers on the subway and that there was nothing in his mind about race. He just saw this person who seemed violent, was threatening people and was talking about killing people and wanted to die and felt he could protect the other people on the train. Um, so here is Daniel Penny's attorney, Thomas Kenneth, talking a little bit ago, a little more about the background of this Marine, because this week the grand jury is likely convened. There's reports that they could be meeting as early as this week. So we might even hear in the next week or two if an indictment comes down or if they throw it out, if the grand jury throws it out. Remember, it was charged by Alvin Bragg, uh, but now it goes to the next step. And Daniel Penny, the Marines lawyer, said Daniel was just trying to be a good Samaritan. Take a listen. Danny is a, you know, a a rock solid guy uh, who was put into a a situation that uh, unfortunately is all too common um, on on the streets and the subway systems of New York City these days, Um, you know, but, but did what he thought was the right thing to do. So, you know, it's not a situation where we're worried that, oh, he's going to say the wrong thing or put his foot in his mouth because, you know, he, he stands by, uh, you know, all the actions he, he took that, that afternoon, obviously, you know, uh, re- regrets that, uh, uh, that, that, that those tragic ending, uh, you know, as we anyone would regret the loss of, of uh, human life. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, that, that's not something he intended. Uh, it's not something he caused. Um, so, you know, we, we thought that it was appropriate to, you know, have that message out. And then also the attorney for Daniel Penny, the Marine, said this. He actually thinks that going to a grand jury, especially, of course, based in New York, meaning a jury of your peers, he actually believes is a good thing. And hopefully he believes that the grand jury will throw it out. But he said if it goes to trial, he also believes that New Yorkers, more than anybody, understand how dangerous it is to be on the subway. He doesn't think it's like tainted because typically maybe New York juries may not on many things. Like you think about Trump. It was like, okay, Trump comes in guilty. Oh, wait, wait, you haven't even heard the case yet. Don't worry. He's guilty. Don't worry. You knew that that was going to happen. But he believes in this case, they've all ridden the subways. They know how tough it is. They understand what this Marine was faced with that day. And he thinks, actually, that's a good thing. Take a listen. 
As far as, as a fair trial, I, I, I have been trying cases in, 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 in New York City for, for 20 years, um, the majority of which have been in front of Manhattan jurors. Um, I don't have any, any doubt at this time that my client can get a fair trial here. I think, you know, in, in some ways, th this is really uh, the best place to try mm -hmm. the case because so many people that are going to be judging the facts will, mm -hmm. have be, will be able to relate to the sort of situation that confronted my client and the other passengers on that train. Mm -hmm. Although, if you got somebody like Al Sharpton on the jury, boy, are you in trouble because listen to his version of the events. Uh, this is the very incendiary Al Sharpton who gave the eulogy at the funeral for Jordan Neely on Friday. Take a listen to some of his uh, very sweet uh, eulogy. Take a listen to this. This is cut number 10. Take a listen. We have members of my senior team literally embedded, working shoulder to shoulder to deal with finding space, just emergency shelters wherever we can find it. We have over 1,500 National Guard members. What are they doing? Building cribs, running out for food, making you feel secure, helping people apply for their asylum status, becoming a friend to people. And I want to thank our National Guard. Uh, this is a hurricane of sorts, and they've been out there since for many, many months. And I want to thank them for what they're doing. And that's Kathy Hochul talking about the migrants, which is a whole other issue. But here is Al Sharpton at the funeral for Jordan Neely. Take a listen to the rhetoric he said and the way he describes the events. I didn't know you. I know your aunt, and I've talked to your daddy. One thing I promise is in your name, we're going to change how they deal with homelessness. In your name, we're going to change how they deal with the mentally ill. In your name, we're going to change services in this city. Jordan, you didn't die for nothing. What they meant for bad, we'll make good. We're going to have a new city and new city services. So if we look angry, we are. But we're not mad. Difference between going mad and being angry. Yes, we're angry. Because we had another funeral we shouldn't have had to be at. Yes, we're angry. Because you see our children as objects rather than human. Yes, we're angry. Because you keep choking us to death rather than leaving, living, and building, and building, and building us up. Wow. A very different version than the eyewitnesses on the subway. And here's a little more of Al Sharpton talking about what he says he believes happened to Jordan Neely when he got on the subway and was put in the chokehold by the Marine. Take a listen. I want to know who called the order that it was all right for this man to choke this brother to death and go home and sleep in his bed. Who gave the order that it was all right to release him? We can't live in a city where you can choke me to death with no provocation, no weapon, no threat, and you go home and sleep in your bed while my family got to put me in a cemetery. There must be equal justice under the law. Wow. Talk about gaslighting. Now, obviously, what happened to Jordan Neely is tragic. But for Al Sharpton to say 
He wasn't annoying anybody. He wasn't doing anything as if it looks like, in this case, he's assuming Daniel Penny just walked over to Jordan Neely, targeted him, and put him in a chokehold for no reason. Is there anybody that actually believes that that's the case? And as you know, I'll be interviewing Governor Cuomo tomorrow. I'll definitely get his take on this. I'll be interested to hear, does he think Daniel Penny is a good Samaritan, a hero, or a villain? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Don, line one. Go ahead, Don, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Um, I was just wondering if you could ask Governor Cuomo if he thinks that maybe the left, um, there was a concerted effort on the left to remove him because he didn't fit their narrative. He was too conservative, similarly to what they did to Trump. Uh, it just seems to me like there was more to this than meets the eye. Well, and by the way, uh, you know, I, I will definitely ask him that. Um, and I'm glad you're bringing that up because he has even uh, sort of suggested that that's the case, that there was sort of a political effort. And I'll I'll give him a chance to present that because look at some of the other things that have gone on behind the scenes uh, where they've pushed out people that were not far left enough. And he certainly, just as you bring up, more moderate. Um, and he had some enemies. And could there have been an orchestration? We certainly have seen a lot of things orchestrated against President Trump and others of late. Um, So we'll certainly talk about that. That's a fair question to ask, too, as well, Don. Thank you very, very much. Um, Let's go to let's go to Christine. Uh, Line eight. Christine, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Thanks for the chance to speak. I remember a comment that Cuomo made, which really horrified me, and that was him and I think Murphy in New Jersey and a third governor. They were talking about late-term abortion and that some children live through it. They survive. And Cuomo's comment was, if the child survives late-term abortion... He said, then make it comfortable and let the mother decide, quote, unquote, decide to do what? Ask him what he meant by that. What do you think he meant? What are your thoughts? It sounds to me like he's letting the mother decide what, kill the newborn infant or raise it and have it uh, nurtured. No, what that, other those, choice could she make? I agree. No, that's that's it leaves open some doors. And there's obviously been a number of Democrats who have some of them who have taken that position. I think also, by the way, I think abortion is going to be a key issue uh, in the election uh, season. So that's a great point. That's a great, great question. Christine, thank you very much. Great points. Let's go to Eddie. Uh, line seven. Eddie, your thoughts. Uh, Rita, thoughts about what? Oh, my gosh. You know, you and I, if we sat in the kitchen table with our parents and our loved ones, we would say, what the hell is going on here? Um, uh, Our president is he's 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 just diminishing our our base. You know, our base is Rita. Yes, I do. I do. And so so what do you what is the biggest concern for you, Ed? And and by the way, uh, you're good on these things. What do you think we should be asking uh, Cuomo tomorrow? What would you like to have asked? Cuomo? You know, Cuomo is he's he's just um, he's like silly party. He's the biggest liar. All he wants to do is be in politics and big and have women attracted to him. 
And we're looking at Biden and Mayorkas and everyone else, and we're, we're, they, they, they're deluding the conservative base in our country. Cuomo, he wants to get back in politics, doesn't he, Rita? We'll find out tomorrow because I will definitely ask him that. It seems that looks like where he's headed. And I think, look, his whole family has been entrenched in politics his whole life. Um, he feels that he's been unfairly maligned. We'll hear what he has to say. That's you know, that's uh, what radio is about and what journalism is about is having opportunities and hearing people state their case, correcting them if they're wrong, uh, but presenting it. So let's see what he's got and let's see why he thinks that he was maligned and let's see what's ahead. And, and if there's something that's surprising in there, we'll listen. Uh, but, Eddie, it will be interesting. And uh, and I hear what you're saying. The country is in such a mess. Eddie, thank you very, very much. Uh, let's go to Mark. Uh, in Raleigh. Go ahead, Mark. You were calling about the Marine. Go ahead. Yeah. Hey, good evening, Rita. Uh, I keep hearing everyone uh, refer to this gentleman as a Marine. And uh, you have to put it in context that the the reason he was taught this technique by the Marine Corps was the beginning of a, a process to kill. It's not a it's not a process of, of restraining someone in a, you know, an approved uh method of of restraint it's the beginning of of killing someone but wait do you but do you think but do you think that he went in there thinking okay i'm gonna kill this guy or i'm gonna stop this but i do i do think he was negligent though because when you're using a deadly technique that i know for a fact he was taught in marine corps uh training as being deadly then you have to exercise a great duty of care when you're exercising that was that the right hold uh, momentarily? Yeah, sure, probably. Should he have maintained it for nine minutes? Absolutely not. If I put anyone in a chokehold for nine minutes, Rita, they're going to die. And Penny had to know that. I think Penny, though, is a is a good Samaritan, but he just didn't uh, do this correctly. He's sort of – I call him the Billy Bud of the Marine Corps. So uh, if I were on the jury, unfortunately, I would have to find him guilty of manslaughter. Well, well, that's interesting because, you know what, I think a lot of other people think otherwise. There are obviously people who agree with you. Are you a Marine? Is that why you're talking this way? No, I'm a Coast Guard uh, auxiliarist. Okay, so you know my, sort of like some of the training at least. And and I so think my, look, they're taught yeah, that. My grandfather but, was a Marine. My grandfather was a Marine drill instructor. Okay. So. Now, right. what what if your wife was on the subway? Would you wish there was a Daniel Penny on board? Of course, of course, I, I would in terms of stopping him initially. But do I think it would be worth it uh, killing him to you know protect my wife from someone who's just ranting and is not doing anything, any kind of physicality to the point of taking his life? I do not. I, I think that Daniel Penny owed uh, you know the law and this man a great duty of care because he was exercising a, a lethal. Uh, you know, a lethal restraint. And I mean, that you have to understand the context of his training. He's not trained as a policeman. He's trained to kill. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. It's interesting. And by the way, that a lot of that will, I'm sure, come into play uh, when it goes to the grand jury. And if it goes to trial, they'll go into all of that for sure, asking what was the intent, uh, what's the training. Um, and I'm not sure, You, as you bring up the nine minutes, we have seen some of the tape. But it's not clear if the hold was actually for nine minutes. That's unclear because um, he may have been knocking him down. There was a lot of stuff. Apparently, there was a lot of ranting and other videos that happened, or at least comments that happened before the videos rolled. 
I think all of those things, I think eyewitnesses are going to be key. The other people, too, we understand that they've located at least one of the other guys holding him down, uh, Dan, you know, Jordan Neely, uh, while Daniel Penny had him in that chokehold. That person, I think, will be pivotal. Uh, there are so many questions, uh, but you bring up some some interesting points, and they will definitely talk about that. I mean, again, I think it goes back to intent. Was he trying to kill him? And I think you even, despite what you're saying, he didn't think that. I also think the witnesses, when you hear some of the new comments that are coming from witnesses that make it sound like the guy was talking about killing everybody on the train, uh, you know, I want to kill Mother Blank, and I want to, you know, when you hear that, um, it's a lot more than some of the other versions that you hear from Al Sharpton, like, oh, he was just asking for food. Uh, it's a very different person. 1-800-848-9222. And we'll continue your calls, everybody, after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. from what will be a live one-hour special with former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. It's his first sort of wide-ranging interview, if you will, since he resigned. And nothing's off the tables. It is a no-holds-barred, one-on-one interview with myself and the former governor. It's going to be live again 4 to 5 p.m. tomorrow, just a few hours ago, Eastern Time on WABC Radio. Again, you can listen on WABCRadio.com. And boy, I got a lot of questions for the former Gov, and I am listening to yours as well. Feel free. You can also send them in onto my social media, at Rita Cosby on Twitter. I welcome all of your comments, guys, and definitely read them as well. 1-800-848-9222. What are your thoughts, and where uh, should we ask, and what type of topics would you like to hear from Governor Cuomo. Uh, let's go to Roberta, line seven. Real uh, real quick, Roberta, your thoughts. Oh, hi. How about that uh, shocking comment he made that America was never really great? Uh, I just, I, I can't believe he said that because well, well, what's better than this country? I mean, he, he, he did pretty good for himself. By the way, you are absolutely correct. This is the greatest country in the world. And that's that's a great comment, too, as well, uh, to ask him about. Not a good comment, but a good thing to be asking him, certainly, about. Um, let's go to Michael. Line five. Michael, your thoughts real quick. Yes. First of all, yeah, Cuomo did say that America was never great during the George Floyd riots. And second of all, he's irrelevant. I don't understand why is... Why are we going to give him a platform? You know why? Because you know why? I'll I'll tell you why, Michael. I'll tell you why. Because he's the former governor of New York, and he has not answered a lot of certain questions that I think actually family members deserve. I think New Yorkers deserve. And I think it's important to hear his perspective. And we believe in giving everybody a forum and giving everybody a fair chance, uh, but also asking the tough questions, too, as well. And he will get a combination of all of that. And then some. And in fact, I can't wait to hear from you guys tomorrow and hear your thoughts on it all because, boy, it is definitely going to be a blockbuster. Again, everybody, tomorrow, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time on WABC Radio. And Michael will hit him up on that one because I think that's a fair point to ask him about. Everybody, you're terrific. Tune in. We'll talk about it tomorrow night. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 